and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. I'm your host Zoe and today I'm with the co-founder and CEO of Everyman, Dan Doty. Zoe, I'm not the CEO anymore. I should probably... Oh, really? (laughs) So if you want to start it over, go for it. Or or we can just whatever. Roll with it. But I I I just want to be uh, straightforward about that. Well, okay. In that case, I'm with the co-founder of Everyman, Dan Doty. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Um, Anyways, so apologies for the um, misinformed information. Um, but do you mind just kind of give me your backstory, talking about um, what every man is, because I'm sure not a lot of people know as much as I do, or maybe I do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So my backstory is, I'll do a, a lightning fast version. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in North Dakota, super loving family, but uh, one where emotions were not a part of the we're really not a part of life. We, we basically always just felt okay. Um, well, that's what we told people, but the, the, you know, the truth was far from that. And th- that's important to start with. Uh, but fast forward to, you know, a pretty, pretty naive and, and happy life of, you know, I played sports as was a mar- as a martial artist. I played football. I was a musician, you know, fairly, fairly good life. Went to college, um, and started traveling abroad. I had a had a, a girlfriend at the time who drugged me on some trips abroad, changed my life, really got me, uh, opened my eyes to the world. And then right after college is, is where the, the real story that leads to every man starts. And my first career is I was a wilderness therapy guide. So I spent uh, many years, several years, uh, spending probably about 50% of my life leading trips of struggling young men uh, on you know, wilderness trips really to help them find themselves, to help them learn how to communicate. And, uh, you know, some of them were rehab programs, but more specifically, they were um, uh, opportunities just for, for personal growth, right? And that really, I just became obsessed. It was the perfect job for me. Uh, I became obsessed with it. And what I became obsessed with, with is what it takes uh, for a man to grow up and mature and be healthy and be, you know, a healthy part of a family, healthy part of society. And also, you know, what it was that was keeping these boys, uh, from getting what they need. And, uh, I then moved to New York city. I became a New York city teaching fellow. I taught high school in the Bronx again, still, um, obsessive about, you know, particularly young men. I, again, my class in the Bronx was, 80 percent dudes um and then i i kind of went through my own uh healing crisis in my late 20s where i kind of blew up my life um and moved to montana um and in the middle of that i found my first men's group and so i was 27 so 10 years ago found my first men's group and that was just this huge aha moment in my life i'd never heard of men's groups i had no idea what they were uh but i was frankly desperate enough at that time to try anything um and i showed up at my first group night and there's you know 10 guys sitting around being just wildly honest with each other and uh supportive and uh held each other accountable and you know that became sort of the next step in my evolution of uh my own self and you know becoming a a healthy man but then also what i 
really already knew was uh, in store for me is I wanted to share uh, some of these things with the world on a wider level. So I had one more quick career. I, I became a, a director and a producer of wilderness uh, television. Did that for a while. Uh, met my wife in New York. We moved to Montana. Had our first boy. Uh, we had two young, two two boys, and uh, oh. then I got fired from my fancy media career. And then I started Everyman with my co-founders. Um, so that was a, that's a very rushed version, but that's my life story in a nutshell. Awesome. So I'm going to kind of break down each part, or I have questions a little bit um, for different points. So what did you study psychology in college? Or what I studied literature, philosophy, and anthropology in my undergraduate, and I, and I have a master's of education. Okay. Um, so I, I have not studied psychology, and um, I actually think that's part of, uh, an important part of my story. So yeah, good, good, good question. Interesting. And so I had no idea that there existed a job called a wilderness therapy um, leader. What exactly is that, yeah. and how do you find that? Yeah, so what it is exactly is there, so there are these therapeutic programs. So kids get sent away from their home um, and some of them are headed toward boarding school, uh, but their first stop is a, is a wilderness therapy stay. And so kids are usually there between 90 and 120 days. They're out in these programs. And so there are therapists that work with these kids, um, but my job was to be the day-to-day -day, uh, care and guide. So really I would show up at work and you know get in a truck and be dropped you know drive like eight hours into the desert and get dropped off with a group of dudes who are out there for several months and then i would take over the leadership of that group so we would you know maybe hike seven miles a day set up camp um have some uh, you know sort of soft skills lesson of the day about communication or emotions or different things like this and so and then the therapist would come in once a week and I would sit in on the sessions and really what I was there, I was like a 24, uh, 24 hour a day, big brother, wilderness leader slash uh, teacher of personal growth stuff. Uh, so it was a very intensive uh, role, right? Mm -hmm. I got what I feel like is I got many, many uh, decades worth of experience with working with people in an intense way, um, fast, right? It was just an immersion. Um, and I had, so your question about, yeah, therapy and, and psychology, I was clear that that was a very uh, straightforward option. Um, but to be totally honest with you, um, I felt like I was able to connect more impactfully with these young men just from the role of mentor and big brother yeah than if i than if i was in there to label them with some sort of diagnosis and pick them apart and give them drugs you know so i, I kind of made a conscious choice early on that i wasn't gonna i didn't want to go that i i felt like i had some magical opportunity to just show up and be a human with these kids and that's how i decided to to build my career awesome and what age were these kids were they all boys yeah, ninety nine. I think I did one one week session with a with a girls group. I I think I spent, you know, eight hundred eight eight to nine hundred days out with just boys and seven days with girls. So yeah, okay, so fair. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they were in their teens or younger than that. Yeah, 
youngest age was 13 or 14 oldest um for the you know the adolescent programs was 18 but then i also did a good chunk of time with young adult programs so that was 19 to 25 year old guys also did you see any common themes for why they were there between age groups um or any, i don't know i'm just trying to think of like common i mean absolutely so you know the presenting symptoms you know like why they were sent away were there was definitely themes there but one would be um there was a lot of kids like deeply addicted to gaming uh to you know tech and gaming things like that there were um you know a, a, a subset of guys who were abusing drugs and alcohol and kind of going off the deep end going in a really scary direction with that uh, there's a subset of guys who were just, you know, clinically depressed and really shut down and just really hurting. Uh, there's a subset of guys that uh, were angry and aggressive and violent. Um, but then I think that <clears throat> the deeper question, or the, to me the more interesting question, is commonalities um, more at the source and underneath those, those presenting um, issues. And that began to come into real clarity for me. So I started to spend more and more time um, in these programs. There would be times where parents would come out and you'd do family days or just dads would come out and you'd do father-son weekends or father-son weeks. And uh, again, I feel like I was just, first of all, I, I got to sit there and see how it felt when families who were disconnected from each other fully found each other again wow. and fully like, shared their love like the amount of times i saw a 17 year old like thug fall apart in his mom or dad's arms being held like a, a small child was that changed my life right that, that, That's, that shit yeah changed. it's just so it's just so beautiful and so intense um and you know that's that's those are like the good moments those are the moments when when um things really work right but in terms of commonalities, I, it, it just became blazingly obvious to me that, um, you know, and not in any malicious way, but that the family systems, the families of these boys just, you know, there was, not that I would put blame on the dads necessarily, but like I would know a kid for three or four months as well as you can almost know anybody you know we'd open up to each other fully like these kids would just share everything yeah and then their their dad would walk out in the desert and literally within 10 minutes i'd be like holy shit i get it yeah that's like, I crazy I, like i get it i can see it and it really was this really um intense like lesson in humanity and families and parenting and how things are passed from generation to generation, you know? Yeah, I guess it really gives you firsthand exposure to family dynamics and the real impact that how raising your child has. Exactly, and I think, you know, to take some of the pressure off of families too, really what I saw is that our world and society, so families and schools and everything, we're literally simply not set up in a way to support the healthy growth of our, of really all of us honestly to be totally honest like i think the the level of human connection the the level of sa psychological safety some of these sort of Im basic emotionality skill sets like we're not taught that there's very few people that are 
that have that. And so in some ways, what I just saw is these boys were just going through life and life is big and intense and scary and they just generally didn't have the support structures in place to help them know what the hell was going on and how to make good decisions and how to like handle being a being a young man yeah Um, and what um do you have any like moments or kids not obviously like naming them but that stood out in your mind or have stuck with you or just like a really personal conversation or anything like that? Uh, I mean, so, so many of them. Um, I, I can, I'll point to one. Um, yeah, I won't use his name, but he was a young guy who was, I think he was either 19 or turning 20 when he first, um, when I first met him. And I got to do some cool stuff. So I got to do, uh, I think it was like a 46 or 48 day expedition where I was out in the wilderness for, for that entire length of time. And it was with um, this one guy the whole time. And we had one other guy that came in for, for part of it, but it was me and this guy for, you know, almost two months. And he did the most remarkable thing. He got like, you know, so he was out of high school, but he just couldn't get his shit together. He just didn't know where to go. He didn't know what to do. He was so unmotivated. He was just like, but so when they hiked him in the woods to uh to meet up with me he did something in his in his he made a decision that he was just gonna show up he wasn't gonna count the days until it was done he wasn't gonna fight it he was just gonna be present and the amount of growth that i saw him do and and the connection that we built like there he did some i don't even know know how to talk about it but it was some like magical superpower he engaged that um i literally watched him like mature six eight ten years in the course of those couple months and and i don't really take much credit for that i i I give him all the credit for that um that's a that's sort of like a a shining example of of nothing but love uh there's also uh you know there's a story of this (laughs) this wild kid from from new york city that um (laughs) You know, he would tend to get up in the middle of the night and one night he, so this one program I worked at, we were all given uh, pieces of elk hide. And so we would make our own backpacks with this leather. We would, you know, we could make sandals with this leather. He like squirreled away his elk hide and he, he built himself a, um, a leather thong (laughs) and he got up in the middle of the night in the middle of a lightning storm and climbed a little peak next to where we're camping. And in the middle of the night in high winds with rain and like thunder, he's up there in a leather thong screaming at God at the top of his lungs. Oh my gosh. Um, Just one of the wildest things I've ever experienced (laughs) in my whole life. It sounds like, um, wow, why am I forgetting that book? The, the, oh my gosh, with Piggy and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Lord of the Flies. <laughs> Lord of the Flies. It sounds a little bit yeah. like that. Um, so kind of fast forward to when you're living in New York City, and you said, I think, like, you were 27 or so. Yeah. You said you had, like, um, a blow-up or something. What, but was it, like, a you experienced difficulties with your own mental health or what was that kind of like? 
Yeah, I think that could certainly be, you could use that label for it. So, you know, I think what really happened is I still at that point in my life, um, I hadn't taken on my own growth and healing in, in any way. Uh, I, you know, uh, for whatever reason, it just I hadn't been pushed there yet. And so I was a New York City teaching fellow. I was teaching during the day, um, pretty intense environment. And then at night, I'd take the train down and go to go to grad school and and I mean, you know, a, a lot, a lot of things came together. One, I was just incredibly burnt out. It was mm-hmm. too, it was too intense, and it burnt me out. The the bigger, one of the bigger, deeper things is that I was in a, a relationship at that time, and we'd been together. Um, this woman I loved dearly for you know four or five years already, and I was stuck in a cycle of not being all the way in like like i like i wanted so badly just to commit and you know she would be my life partner all that but but i couldn't and and i got stuck there i didn't have the courage to break it off i tried breaking it off it was just a big mess for a long time mm-hmm. two people who lo- loved each other that uh, you know i could we couldn't sort of do what we needed to do and so i ended up cheating on her and that was a really big deal for me I mean you know um, that was not something I had ever done before it's not something I ever even in, imagined that was possible for me yeah um, and so you know that that kind of uh, there's more to it and it was you know porn addiction and uh, just really just some just unhealthy I was just really unhealthy and uh, you know that what that and the ensuing breakup and and we stayed together for a while anyway it just it just completely imploded my sense of self uh you know there was a lot of things going on those were a couple of the big ones but i just sort of it just kind of flattened me you know i i didn't know who i was i didn't know um i just had kind of a big breakdown and in in the ensuing time um yeah i started to i started to to you know i found my first men's group i started going to therapy and um i tend to do things pretty intensively so so i went for it right i i like took on my own healing and growth fully you know for for many years honestly you know probably from that time to when i was 32 33 that's what i did you know i i i worked and i did my and i did that but i um i went after my own healing um all the way yeah i mean i might I'm just from what you've told me so far, it sounds like you spent so much time taking on other people's problems and that it's kind of, I, I think that often leads to us neglecting our own um, issues because we, you know, it's hard to see yourself as a person who needs help when you're working with other people. It's a good thing, if anything. But... I was just totally clueless to taking care of my, like, I just, it didn't even, honestly, it's it's crazy for me to look back now, but like, yeah, like the idea that I probably needed a therapist, it literally never crossed my mind. It's insane to, for me to think about yeah. that. But it was true. And you, what was, I mean, I can only imagine that working with young students from the Bronx, I mean, in one hand, you're also working with young men. It's very similar, but I... I assume that it's also very different than your time being a nature counselor. So what was that like? I mean, they have their, I feel like, I imagine those kids also have their own problems, but are 
not given the luxury to walk around in a beautiful area with, you know, making yeah. cow tide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely a different type of challenge and a different type of stress. I mean, for me, I think the biggest thing. I mean, I the kids, I, I loved the kids in everywhere I went. Right, so that the the work itself of connecting with the kids was very similar. Working in a New York City public school, like hemmed in in these walls all day long and really like shitty conditions, it, I think that broke me down more than anything. Yeah. And then, and then the actual academic part, like, I get why I made the choices to go after that, but I am not, a, I am not an academic teacher. I never gave a shit about grades myself. Just never <laughs> gave a shit. And yeah. Like, what I gave a shit about was these kids, right? And so it just was very quickly apparent. I did two years there, but I just like, it was like a hard no, that's not, that's not my path, <laughs> right? I'm not gonna, uh, that's not what I'm good at, so. And what did you, this is sorry jumping around, but what did you talk about in that men's group that made you wanna keep going with it? Like, well, what do you, you know, talk about? I don't about? even remember exactly what it was we talked about. What it was more impactfully was seeing for the first time in my life grown successful men that i immediately had respect for uh being honest being vulnerable like showing support like talking that they had issues and problems it was, it was like a whole paradigm shift in a night it yeah. was really a whole paradigm shift. it was like i again i say this phrase a lot but when i first found that um therapeutic wilderness job it was literally I didn't know it existed. One one minute I like had no idea this existed. The next minute I you know found this job and I was like, oh my god, this is this is incredible. It was the same thing with the men's group. It's like literally not on the radar, not only just men's groups, but not on the radar that men could speak that way, that they could support each other that way. And it was such a wildly impactful thing. And and you know, kind of fast forward to to every man, one of the main jobs that I am doing and, and really dedicating my life to is just pulling the curtain back on that for the world. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's such a simple and effective way uh, to make a big impact. And, and that shift, it's, it's so, it is, it's still scary. It's still hidden for, for most men or a lot of men or, or, or the world. It's not just men, women too, but like um, it is such a, a, a deeply helpful and I actually think, you know, this isn't 100 percent true, but I think that men's groups, when they're at least done mostly well, it's kind of like pizza. It's like it's just always good. <laughs> tacos. Like, like tacos are always good. A men's group is, or a yoga class is another thing. I've never gone to a yoga class that I've regretted. Same thing with a men's group. It's just it's just helpful. Yeah. I mean, I would say I meaningful for most therapy sessions, depending, I guess, how you look yeah. at it. But it is isn't it crazy how you said like you never realized that men could be vulnerable together and you've never experienced that and and i imagine that most people would say the same whereas not to you know make gender stereotypes but i don't think society would put that same label or connotation on women but there's just such a stigma around men speaking about their their mental health or their struggles yeah what do you think contributes to that do you think it is just like these kind of what you talked about earlier with the family structures and social structures that we live in? Well, I mean, there's a lot of big factors, but I think it really simply comes down to um, men have not been rewarded or or asked to, to be that for, for centuries, for decades. So 
you know, there's amazing quotes from the 1800s and from the 1600s that are, you know, wrestling with these same questions. Like, men are getting soft, and what's the role of men now? And, and you know, what is masculinity? So, like, this, this sort of question about men and masculinity, it's a really old one. And I think the reality is that um, a lot of the, the, the past and a lot of society and, and culture in the past has has needed something different from men. It's needed men to to sort of grin and bear it. It's needed men to, you know, go to war. It's needed men to just do the hard labor. Um, and, you know, when you're doing hard labor, when you're when you're in a battle, when you're in these places, like it's not helpful to feel sad. Yeah. You know, it's not it's it, and it really is. It's and so I think what's actually happening now is as the world is changing and as culture is, and it's changing fast, I think that again what's what's needed from men how men can best serve today is is just different i I literally think we're just going through a shift and so um you know i mean that that's a simplistic answer and there's a it's a complicated it's a complicated reality yeah for but sure. i think but I think the the end of it is just that we haven't been shown how we we haven't been taught uh it hasn't been valued it hasn't been asked of us. Um, but it sure is being asked of us now. Yeah, it's one thing that I think is also, I mean, it's interesting, but it's almost a, I'd say a paradox is that I think as a society, we become over the, as you said, the past few years, much more accepting of men expressing their emotions. And yet the suicide epidemic is at an all time high. So it's, it, there's so much work that I think still needs to be done. So I guess what, what do you do at every man and how would you can encourage just you know no pun intended but like every man to to yeah. start these conversations and whether they are you know a member of a men's group or just with their friends in a frat house like what advice would you give to that person to say like you know who's struggling or maybe their friend is yeah so um yeah what we do first is we bring men together uh, through weekend retreats, through wilderness expeditions, through uh, maybe most importantly through peer-to-peer men's groups that that men start on their own and run on their own, but we help support. Um, we have we now have a network of men's groups around the globe, uh, rapidly growing, and so in all of these experiences, and we're about to launch an online course also, um, but all of them have in common. Really, it's just a first comes permission right first comes uh hey you have feelings i have feelings we all have feelings it's okay yeah you can't not have feelings so there's a level of just permission and importantly we lead by example right so again most men have not ever seen or heard men interacting in this way so we go first and we we teach guys how to check in and share what they notice in their bodies and what emotions are present for them it's a very basic level stuff um and we have a, a simple formula that it kind of all comes back to, and it's we call it the rock formula. So it's relax, open, and connect. So the first relax means that we just actually have to slow down. So we, I even as I say that, I notice I'm speaking pretty quickly, but we got to get out of our heads, we got to get off our phones, and we got to slow down enough so we can start actually feeling, because that's actually what happens, and that's why you know there's a, a corollary with nature here. When you unplug and you slow down, you're like, oh, you know, 
I feel tension in my belly or yep. I am scared, yep. you know? So slow down is the first step. The second step is open to what we're feeling. And so that is literally building. This is part of the training. We build somatic and emotional awareness. So we build awareness of what our bodies are telling us and what our emotions are telling us. And it's just a practice, right? So mm -hmm. um, our, ba our basic check-in is like, you know, Dan checking in and I feel my feet are cold and my belly is full and my shoulders are tense and emotionally uh, I feel both flat and uh, warmly warmly happy to be talking to you right so so that's a simple check-in and that's that's a really quick example but um, you take that deeper and deeper and you just what we're doing is creating um, what it feels like to have an environment where it's okay to open up and yeah. be yourself and to, uh, and you know, quickly what guys find is, uh, what one of the crazy things is guys, you pick any guy out there on the street, chances are he feels like his problems, his worries, his concerns are pretty unique and rare, right? And that mm -hmm. he might be the only one dealing with this. The, the quick paradigm shift is, is you get in a group of guys and you share something you're struggling with and you ask, is anybody else struggling with this? fucking 90% of the hands will go up, Yeah, you know? And that's a huge, huge leveler for guys. That's a huge, like, it's like, oh my God, I'm, I thought I was broken and alone and wrong and, you know, unique. And like, that's, that's something that we got to, we can fix that, right? We can, we can just create media. We can do things, um, you know, as a very basic step, like you guys, get over yourself you're just not you're not alone in this you're not that special we're all struggling yeah uh, I, I mean i think that's one of the, i mean that's one of the themes of my podcast is the whole irony that everyone feels so lonely and yet if we're all feeling lonely we're kind of all together in the in the loneliness so it's like this weird yeah there's like weird unawareness or i don't know but so you've lived all over pretty much like every the well, like midwest east and west did you do you see any differences between the men you work with from these different areas or the cities i mean you know new york is highly yeah, intense <laughs> yeah a, li a little bit but but um we joke about it a little bit you know we run a we run an open source retreat in joshua tree and get a bunch of you know very relaxed Californians and then we do one outside of New York and they're all hyper and uptight and so yeah. you know like some of that is true but the amazing thing is that immediately when we drop in deeper it doesn't matter it makes no difference and it's the same internationally like I just did some work in the UK and in Australia um, you know work with rural guys from Alaska work with like you know red staters you know from Ohio like it just doesn't matter like immediately you know that sort of surface level difference shows up and and it's actually helpful because we can start to connect with each other regardless of of where we come from and what we believe um but you know we're all human yeah and what we're what we're working with at, at everyman is actually just a very simple deeply deeply primal and ingrained uh i call it like emotional wi-fi right so when we tap into what is true for us, when we slow down and we're present with ourselves, we can then be present with other people. When we're present with other people, uh, vulnerability is the gateway to deeper connection. It just is. It's how we. It, it's how it works. It's 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 not. 
it's it's like that's how we're wired right so mm -hmm. so when we open up to somebody it makes it safer for them to open up and we feel connected right so it's it's actually like this very very simple intrinsic human nature stuff that we're working with yeah i mean i found that too it's it's so crazy i think how i mean all on my instagram just randomly repost self-love things or mental health things and you know, I'm just doing it because I'm clicking around my, my phone. And the amount of times that people, just that one tiny gesture, people have reached out to me saying, you know, thank you for doing this and thank you for saying that or whatever. It, it's it's crazy the how like little you need to do to make such a big impact or just make people yeah. feel like you're, like they can come to you as opposed yeah. to feeling like bottled up. And I think, you know, by creating a, program that is the whole purpose is of it is to get men to just speak about their struggles is incredible yeah it's been amazing i mean it, it it it's it never fails to blow me away because uh you know we're kind of talking about some of the initial stuff but what really what we're really we're seeing happen consistently is um men stepping up to really heal and improve the relationships with their parents with their kids with their spouses with their significant others with their 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 you know their work settings are becoming safer and more productive because because they're not showing up so fearful and and pulled back right and like some deep profound stuff is happening and it's happening consistently so i just feel like you know we have found a, a very simple format um, that produces results you know it, it, there's no mystery to it it's very simple are those the, what uh, are those like the main things you've taken away from every man and the experience you've had like for myself yeah or just I guess key things you've noticed or learned yeah key things I've learned is that um, people are good yeah. <laughs> you know i really believe that humans are are, are good at heart and um uh, and that we need each other and that we're way stronger when we um have each other's backs in a real meaningful visceral way right not not just some sort of i'm a part of a facebook group but but when we have people that reach out to and lean on and and another thing we've learned is how much guys want to give and serve and, and do good, right? There's this huge wave of energy that we've received at every man because uh, men are just looking for a place to give back, you know? They're, they're looking to be of value. They're looking to, to be better dads. They're looking to be better, better you know, boyfriends and husbands. And um, what I've, you know, gained personally is just a deeper and deeper sense of who I am and more and more freedom to be myself all the way without without holding back, which honestly is what I've wanted my entire life more than anything, is just, you know, just to be me and not have to hold it back. And uh, every man has helped me do that. That's so amazing. Um, so before I end, I wanna just ask you a couple of questions that I ask everyone um, to finish out the podcast. They're just random deep questions, but I think they always are, are interesting to hear from. Um, so the first question is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Uh, 
sticking my wife and I sticking with each other fully for the five years we've been together. Um, yeah. And having two kids, what are their names? Duke and Jude. We have a three-year-old and a one-year-old boy. Oh. Um, second question is, do you believe everything happens for a reason? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think that it, it doesn't, I, I think we, we get to, um, we get to handle that one how we want. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think it's easy to, I think we can live life that way and then it is that way. And then I think we could also live, um, in a different way and then it is that way too. Yeah. And I think you can also like every, maybe not necessarily like dust predestiny or whatnot, but everything you do can be a lesson. Yeah, for sure. Then that you look back on and say, oh, this led me here. I think that's a productive way to live. Yeah. Yeah. If a crystal ball could tell you anything about yourself, your life, your future, or anything else, what would you most want to know? Uh, what's the fastest way to um, have a, a sweet, like, backyard outdoor cedar hot <laughs> cedar hot tub and sauna and uh and a trail that goes up into the mountains right in my backyard how, how, <laughs> how do, do i get, get there that? tomorrow <laughs> that's a i would like to know that too or how i could get that in new york in general <laughs> do you have a quote or a mantra that you live by uh man that's a good one <laughs> let me think about it for a second or just a favorite quote. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, two, yes. There's two things that I, I think this is my unofficial resume. Um, I can show up and I can stick with it. Oh, I like that. That's, that's what I know about myself. And I guess in a similar, on a similar note, what do you love most about yourself? Uh, my, uh, my, my, my deeply. Uh, almost endless capacity to to love and to share my love that's amazing i really like that answer okay and then my final question which i mean i usually more as a, applies more to like new york city but whatever city you're living in whatever state you're living in how do you find solace in a city or state or wherever you are well, I lived in New York for eight years, so I'll, I'll address that. I found it in New York um, in Prospect Park by living in a neighborhood that had trees and by going to uh, Russian Russian saunas and, and sweating. <laughs> That's how I found it in New York. Where uh, I live on an I live in an orange farm by Ojai, California, and um, I just do it by getting outside and 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 uh, I have a important meditation practice, and I have my men's group. Those three things. Uh, men's group meditation and nature that's awesome well thank you so much for telling me about everything um and answering my questions and for hopping on a call where can my listeners follow you learn about every man um just plug all of your stuff they get in everyman.com, E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.com. I do have a, a personal website at dan-doty.com. Um, yeah, and, and all the all the, all the the social media things is everyman, underscore everyman, underscore. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and I'm um, going to end my 
we stop recording. <laughs>